On this episode of This Startup Story, we're going to have a conversation with Pace Academy Martial Arts Studio founder, Will Pace. This is actually a pretty exciting interview because Will's going to tell us how he actually managed to have a business essentially fall into his lap. Will's journey didn't start off with a silver platter, though. He went from scrubbing restaurant tile floors with a toothbrush to building a nationally recognized Taekwondo team. And whether or not you're in the health and fitness, the the martial arts industry, there's something to be learned from the discipline, commitment, and focus of what it takes to be not only a high-performing athlete, but a high-performing business person, startup, or executive. With all the knowledge that Will's dropping, this is an episode you definitely don't want to miss. Stay tuned. Today's special guest is Will Pace. Uh, Will, thanks for coming on the show. Um, we're super excited to have you and to give our audience some insight. So before I try to give you an introduction, if you can just let the audience know just a little bit about you and who you are and, and what's bringing you on the show today. Yeah, great. Uh, my name is Will Pace. I own a martial arts school, Pace Academy Taekwondo. I teach Olympic Taekwondo. I also I'm the head trainer at Maximus Gym, or the Maximus Gym, in Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, I've been teaching upwards of 18-plus years. I teach Olympic Taekwondo. It's my main, uh, my main sport that I teach. Uh, it's been a great time. It's been a great time. Great time learning, teaching, helping develop young athletes. So, so I mean, just getting right into it, I've... Yeah, I noticed that when I'm reading all these books about different CEOs or different, different just people that are performing at a high level, a lot of them mention fitness in there. And this is your lifestyle, like this is your your livelihood. Have you noticed any difference between either clients you've had or students you've had that have implemented fitness into the lifestyle? And how it's impacted, whether it's their business results, whether they're a salesperson or or a business executive. Have you have you noticed that? Uh, yeah, that's great. That's a great question. Um, I think the common denominator both are discipline. You need to be disciplined to do both. You know, if you want to maintain any kind of fitness regimen, uh, you need to have a plan. You know, I think that really ties into you know running a business. You have to have a plan. You know, they always say you know failing the plan is planning to fail mentality. So I think they both kind of tie into each other. Oh, not even kind of. They do tie into each other. And a lot of stuff that I've read as well, you know, people who are very, very successful usually have a combination of both. They have a, a very adjusted plan. You know, they're up by a certain time. They go to bed at a certain time. They maintain eating regimens. I mean, everything that goes into a business, you know, acumen definitely would, they, they tie together. Yeah. And I, I don't know how, how avid of a reader you are. I just finished this book, um, Ride of a Lifetime by Bob Iger, the CEO of Disney. And mm-hmm. he talks about how every morning, Monday through Friday, he wakes up at 4.15 a.m. He sleeps in until a whopping 4.30 a.m. on the weekends. But Monday through, Monday through I think it's Saturday, he's up grinding out at the gym every day um for him uh that's not his livelihood or his light you know his his business obviously so he doesn't have to be that committed um but yet yet he is and he's performing at the level he's performing at so i bring that up to kind of segue into this is not just something you do outside of your this is obviously something you're passionate about but but a business. So can you just kind of give us some insight as to why, why fitness? Why, what, what drew you towards, Hey, maybe this is not just a hobby. Maybe this is something I can turn into a business. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, going from hobby to a business. I think for me, I just didn't want to work again, you know, and for me, 
the best way for me not to work again, which made it be something that I was truly into, something that I loved, you know, and I've always been, you know, from high school all the way to competing at a national, international level. The transition was really seamless, so to speak, you know, for me to go in and work out and train people and get to know people in that way. And then coaching just kind of, kind of fell into coaching on on accident, actually. I always kind of knew I wanted to, but I didn't really know how to. So I think after I had been training for some time, an opportunity fell into my lap. And then from there, I was kind of able to, you know, start with a couple of kids. And then, you know, the name got out a little bit. And I found that I was really, really good working with small kids and working with people and, you know, maybe jobs I'd had before that kind of pushed me in that direction as far as working with people. And it just kind of blew up from there, you know, just that opportunity. You know, the main thing is, like I said, again, I just get in. I wanted to work for myself. And I wanted to do something that I was truly passionate about, something that I completely loved, and it was a natural fit for me. Okay. So you, you mentioned how it just fell into your lap. And for mm-hmm. a lot of entrepreneurs, things may, for a lot of people on the outside that, are thinking about making the leap into entrepreneurship, are just waiting for that moment to fall into their lap. It, it mm-hmm. probably, obviously, you weren't just taking a nap one day and somebody knocked on your door and no. texted you and said, hey, um, I know you have nothing to do with fitness, but hey, come open this gym. Right. Um, so when you say fall into your lap, I mean, how, how active were you? What were kind of those foundational pieces that prepped you for this, quote, falling into your lap? little backstory. Um, I worked retail for a very long time, a very, very long time. I worked retail. I did, you know, just working with people. I did some door-to-door stuff, and I absolutely hated it. The one thing that was constant in my life was training and working out. And when I say fell into my lap, you know, an opportunity came up to where, you know, somebody knew of me, they knew what I did, and asked me. When I first started training, I didn't really make any money at it at all. I wasn't really the goal. I wasn't the plan. And so when I was given the opportunity to go and do a little program, I jumped on it. I was like, okay, cool. This is going to be fun. I can go work with a few kids. You know, the idea of actually going and saying, you know, making that commitment without jumping ahead too, too far was when I figured out that I could do it and I loved it. You know, I got to the point to where, you know, if I had to go in seven days a week, you know, all day. It never felt like work. You know, it was something that I wanted to do. I wanted to be there and, you know, do what I was doing because I felt good about it and I was super passionate about it. And so, you know, when the opportunity came up, you know, and I had to make a decision or a choice to take, you know, this amount of money that I had and put it into, you know, making this a real thing for something where I would, you know, have longevity and at some point support a family with it. It made it really, it was really, it was easy. You know, I say easy, I don't mean easy. I'm not telling anybody that starting a business is easy and you don't, you don't have to work for it. You know, of course I had to work for it, but as far as getting the motivation and the energy to go and do it, and I think it falls back to that energy of working out and training, it wasn't hard to find it. Matter of fact, it was never hard to find the energy for that. And to this day, you know, as long as I've been doing it, it's never hard for me to find that energy to go and do it. Yeah, you actually you hit on a few things there that I think crosses a lot of people's minds, especially when they're first getting that leap into uh, me going into going into entrepreneurship, and that you were working a job that you hated. You had this passion, but you didn't necessarily have it figured out how to how to monetize it. And so, what what were some of the thoughts going through your mind at the time? I mean, was were you being pushed? Um, did you know that, that, Hey, this is something that I, that I just want to take the leap and find out. I mean, what, what was it that made you say, okay, I'm finally going to figure this out. Was it just that bad at your job and how far into it were you working and trying to balance the business? That's a great question. Uh, I worked, Am I able to say the place where I worked at before? Is that okay? 
Oh yeah, most definitely. All right. So yeah, I worked at Nordstrom for 15 years, 15 plus years. And I have nothing bad to say about that job. I paid my way through college with that job. I met my wife at that job. Um, you know, but the idea of, you know, doing that and selling shoe in a shoe department, managing a floor, it was all fine and well. I mean, I could have stayed there forever and had a really, really good life, but the ability, it was work. You know, it was definitely work. You know, my stomach was hurting when I was going in every day. I had to worry about numbers I was making. And you know how it is. You're only as good as your last month. You know, and I got tired of that feeling. I got tired of, you know, walking into a, you know, to a store and not wanting to talk to anybody because I had to talk to people all day. And so for me, when the opportunity came, you know, I'd been there long enough to where I had a decent amount of profit sharing money. And, you know, I had one of those ideas where I kind of looked in the mirror one day and said, look, what do you want to do? What makes you happy? You know, do you think you can make a run of this? And when it came, you know, down to it, I said, yeah, I just bet on myself on that one. Took the money and went and started, you know, my own location. Again, it came, a lot of it came from my, you know, martial arts, you have to get permission, so to speak. And I think I had went into my, you know, my coach, my, you know, my master, and he basically cut the umbilical cord. Go. That's what I can, I can remember him telling me this day, go, go do it. Go do your thing. And I was kind of right. let go. And I had, you know, I needed, I had that blessing to go ahead and do it. And, you know, I just started off small with a couple of kids. And the one thing I really kind of focused on, I, you know, and I don't know how important this is, but I would tell anybody this, I tell anybody this now, is if you go in there, which is, kind of crazy but if you go in there with your head with your eyes on the money i don't think you can win that way you have to go into things like that with a passion for the love of it and then it'll kind of grow from there that's the main thing i would tell anybody if anybody was going to ask me you know make sure you're doing it for the right reason because if you do it for the right thing the right reason when it comes to those days when you have to you know tighten up or you know maybe work three or four extra hours it's easy you don't it's not work Right. So that's, that's something that I've, I've become really fascinated by too lately is that, so you have that thing, that's your passion and, but you don't just get to do your path, especially when you're starting out, you're not just running your passion no. the whole time. You're, you're running numbers, you're running, you're, you're no. trying to get new clients sign up. So, so were there days where you were like, ah, the thing itself, which is martial arts, martial arts itself is my passion. And I can, I can mm-hmm. jam with that business all day, but being the numbers guy, or being the accounting guy, the chief marketing officer, being all of that, were there days where you were just like, I, I just can't find it within me to get up and do that today. How did you, where did you find that discipline? Whoa, that's a great one too. Um, there's a couple of ways I can answer that question. Number one is when you start off, you are everything. You know, you are the person doing the ordering. You're the person doing the numbers at the end of the month. You know, you have to do the marketing. You have to do everything. That was me, you know, and I think the one thing you have to really recognize, and I think anybody, and sports a good, you know, it's a good tie-in for for business, I think, because you have to, you have to look at everything. You don't ever see a professional sports team or even a low level sports team where somebody does everything. And I am, I think most good coaches have to have a bit of control freak in them, but also most good coaches have to realize and understand when they're not good at something. And so for me, I had to really learn out, you know, what I was good at. The thing that I'm really good at is being on my floor the best way for me to be good at my business is being on the floor, is being visual, is being, you know, the person running things. And then, you know, being smart enough to really understand that, hey, I'm not very good at that. Number one, I either got to learn it or I got to find somebody who's better at it than I am. You know, until, until I, you know, and I went right. a lot of years, you know, I'm not going to lie to anybody here and tell and say that, you know, I had it all figured out from day one. That would just be a blatant lie. The truth of it is, you know, I, you know, I tripped. I tripped along the way. You know, there are certain things I did that I probably shouldn't have done or ways or opportunities in which I could have grown quicker. 
yeah, I didn't have, I didn't know anything. I just knew that I wanted to teach Taekwondo, you know, for the rest of my life. I wanted to have something I could give my kids. I wanted to maybe build something along the way that if my kids so wanted it, that I could hand it down to them and they could, you know, do their thing with it. But, you know, I just had to really, really learn to, and I'm still learning that every single day. You know, it's really hard for me sometimes to let go of certain things. But the minute I do, number one, stress goes off my shoulders. And then it always seems to get done way better than what I could have done. Speaking of, you, you brought up a really good point. Letting go. How has, I mean, huh. this is your baby. You're, yep. you're not just investing your time, which is a valuable asset in itself. You're investing time money, a lot of mental resources. How how has that impacted your business? Have you seen more accelerated growth by letting go, learning to let go? Oh, absolutely, because I can't be everything. Absolutely. If I'm putting on, if I'm trying to be everything, you know, martial arts quote for you, number one, jack of all trades, master of nothing. That's where it came down to. You know, that's not a jack of all trades, master of nothing. And you can't win like that. You know, you have to, you have to be willing to say, hey, I am not good at that. You know, the thing is, I'm not going to be perfect in everything. And I think anybody out there, you're not, you know, when you see big companies, CEOs, whatever, they're in, they're in charge of a thing. They've got people around them. That's why you hire people. You know, it's going to be really tough and tough to find a, you know, a business or anybody doing really well who's just trying to do everything, you know, to be smart and try and find people who know how to do things better than you at least, you know, best case scenario, you can learn from them on how to do it better. You know, I've talked to, you know, I have an aunt, you know, that, you know, it's my favorite aunt at that, you know, who handled all of the money for the U.S. military, you know, for the Air Force. You know, so talking to her and, you know, just getting a good plan, you know, because she was really good with money or having somebody who takes my inventory and does the ordering, you know, and then me going to being able to go back and say, hey, OK, let's let's double check this out. You know, just sitting down with people or making sure that I'm scheduling, you know, you know, once a month, twice a month. Or I sit down with my office manager and we go over everything. So we're both on the same page. We're not over ordering, especially in a small business. You don't want to bury yourself to spend money places away. You know, I'm not going to order 10 more uniforms when I already had 15 of the same size. Is that type of thing that can get really lost if you're trying to do everything. And yeah. And you, you kind of brought up a lot of, a lot of great points. Just, just like that Bruce Lee quote, I fear not the man who has practiced 10,000 kicks once, but I fear the right. man who has practiced one kick 10,000 times. 10,000 times. And it seems like you've been practicing your kit for a long time. Yeah. You said something just a few minutes ago that that's kind of something hard to grasp nowadays with this whole internet uh, millionaire overnight sensation, I guess you can say. Mm -hmm. You were working for 15 years and then launched your business. Something I've noticed a yep. lot today, which I still have a lot, a lot of trouble grasping my mind around, is that I, I want to go into starting something with intensity and speed, but I'm not going to get those results right away. You've been, I mean, you were working for 15 years and saving. Had you tried to, I don't know, year one, scrounge together money and from family and friends and then started your business, do you think you would have, I mean, and I know this is all speculative, but do you think you would have mm-hmm. become the, the business person that you are today? And I, the reason I ask this is for people out there that are looking on Instagram and Facebook and see these overnight millionaires that started some, some internet, internet sensation where they think, uh, or you hear all these, um, invest in real estate with no money down or, or I don't, I don't know, whatever, you know, start this business for, with, with only a hundred dollar deposit. I mean, so can you just kind of take me into that, the, the financial piece of how you had to be disciplined in that sense to get your business going? Yeah, I think, you know, the main difference between these people who are 
you know, have an idea on the internet and all of a sudden they, you know, they flip it and they sell it and they get a billion dollars. I think the difference between it, mine's very people based, meaning I need to have longevity in what I'm doing. So for me to go in with the idea, I'm not going to, especially the type of Taekwondo that I teach, I teach Olympic Taekwondo, which means there's a beginning and the end. I'm not taking a brand new little kid, you know, white belt and throw him into a black belt division. That doesn't happen. There's development in time. Just like your business, you have to develop is development in time. That's why they're very very similar in how you have to operate them. Like I knew that it's going it was going to be a long so for example, if I take you know, if I take a child, the length of it, you know, it takes about two and a half years to get a black belt, maybe three depending on the age, right? But that doesn't mean anything. You don't really know anything yet. And that kid is definitely not competitive to a level. Um, and then, you know, if you're taking a kid and you go on the timeline, you have, you know, a cadet championship they've got to win, a junior championship they've got to win, a senior level championship they've got to win, and then hopefully they get an opportunity to get on Olympic pipeline and go that level. Um, so there's no, there's no quick quick way about about going into it. I mean, there are people out there, I suppose, that, you know, you can go into a heavy populated area, you know, and in Utah, you know, that's kind of easy to do because, we're, you know, our, our kid to adult ratio is so big, you know, that if you get into the right area, I mean, I know people who get into the right area, you know, put a sign up and they open up their door and they have, you know, 300 members who want to come in and sign up that day. But you know, the longevity of what they're producing is not going to be long. You know, kids are going to come in for, you know, a couple of weeks, maybe two weeks, and they want to quit. So you're constantly having to, to refuel that, you know, whereas, you know, when I'm teaching what I'm teaching from a different perspective, you know, I've never really been, you know, I, t- I take care of my family now and I support my family with it. But when I first started off, it was never for the money right off the bat. And I think a lot of it had to do because I knew what the path was going to be. And you're going to have to develop a clientele, you know, develop, you know, a lot of my marketing in the very beginning was all word of mouth. I didn't have any money to go and spend a bunch of money on the newspaper ad or, you know, an internet. When I started, internet wasn't that, you know, internet advertising wasn't that big. So I didn't have those options. So I had to build a reputation. You know, yeah. I had to show up at tournaments with kids. I had to, you know, who's that guy? Oh, that's that guy whose kids are winning all the time. Hey, let's go to that yeah. school. That's where, you know, I still kind of have that going on right now. So, yeah, and it's been it's development over time. That, and that's, you, you've kind of brought up a really great point in that you you didn't have the money to do these things. So, I mean, I don't know, for me, and I, I don't know why this this I guess I do know why this is looking at again this Instagram culture when I first started I was doing some marketing consulting and so I'd go to these these business meetups or these networking events or these chamber of commerce meetings and I just wanted to be seen as the marketing guy I didn't want to be seen as the marketing guy oh that by the way works for x y and z company um right but you realize, so I, I almost to a degree faulted myself. I was trying to find the quickest way out of my day job that was making me money to fuel the machine, which my wife would get on my case all the all the time. She would tell me, no, you need the, the day job to fuel what's really going to become the machine. And so what was, what was your mindset during that time? Um, and, and I know we kind of hit on it, but did you ever have that? that cross your mind where, Hey, I'm, I, I run a, a gym. Do I really, do I really need to be here? Or did you ever get in that kind of funk? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But I think, uh, you know, I would be lying to you if I said there's not always a bit of fear, that security, you know, making sure you're secure all the time, making sure you know, I know plenty, like I said, I know plenty of schools out there that, you know, they make a lot of money, right? But again, you know, the, for lack of a better term, the product that I put out, I've always wanted it to be top notch. You know, it's got my name on it, literally. You know, kids are walking around with my name on the back of their, their uniform. So, you know, it's always been a thing for me to put out the best product that I could possibly put out. So, 
yeah, I mean, it's tough, you know, because, you know, fueling, you know, the day job, fueling, the, you know, the passion. Or, I understand that. And I, you know, I'm married and I've, you know, my, my wife, you know, it's funny. Our wives can kind of call us on some stuff, you know, that most people wouldn't, you know, I think that's part of the rule of being married is that you get to call you out on stuff, you know. Right. Whether you want to hear it or not. Whether you want to hear it or not. Most of the time you don't want to hear it, you know. But I think maturity and, you know, calming down a little bit, my wife would tell me, you know, you run your school like a hobby. And when I finally looked at her, you know, I finally looked at myself in the mirror one day and said, you know, she's right. I do run it like a hobby. You know, once I got my head off of running it like a hobby and, you know, running it like a business and, you know, not being okay with certain things and not letting things go really start to take off in a much more you know viable way yeah let's let's kind of segment into that because you <laughs> you you hear that saying that um behind every successful man is a successful woman in your case she's not behind you she is neck and neck and neck um every day maybe, no, you can maybe. be real way in front of me <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Way in front okay. of me. We just be real about that. <laughs> she's, she's definitely she's definitely a powerhouse in her own. How yeah. how is that? I I could imagine that some at to a degree it it really works because she understands the the entrepreneurial mindset. But at at some points it's kind of kind of hard to say, hey, okay, this is this is my industry. I actually do know I actually do know what I'm talking about here. So how how is it like being married to an entrepreneur? Oh man, I like geez. I can answer that question so many different ways. I mean, and you're right. You know, you're absolutely right. We've had, you know, we've had our arguments more than our fair share. To where it's been a lot of, look, you don't understand my business. So why are you telling me that I need to do it this way? And you know, back at her, you know, I'll make a suggestion on something she should do, and. You know, I think when we when we first started, you know, when we first got married, you know, it was probably a few more of those kind of conversations. But as we've gotten older and you know, calmed down, I, I I'm able to listen to her a little bit more because a lot of times, like I said, you know, nine and a half times out of ten, she's right. You know, she's calling me out on something that I needed to hear. But you know, you know, being a guy or being stubborn or whatever you want to attribute it to. You know, we have a tendency to want to fight. Hell, I teach a fighting sport all the damn time. So for me, it's kind of like I always want to fight everything. And I don't want to be told by anybody, especially when I'm supposed to be the expert on on what it is I'm doing. But like I said, I've had to really back up because, you know, my wife does it better than me. Um, I just say she, I tell everybody all the time, she's better looking than me. She's smarter than me. Um, she does it better. You know, she, her business is phenomenal you know it's grown you know her hers has grown exponentially you know and again it's a different kind but right you know the 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 idea and the you know and things that she's doing they, they they're pretty universal as to what's being done so you know for me i've really had to you know step back and look at something she's doing and you know kind of drop my ego drop my pride so i could listen to what she's trying to tell me because you know she's been doing it at a much, you know, much, you know, longer time than I have and, you know, better for the most part. Yeah. And, and just kind of being receptive to receptive to input, even when you're not, not ready, but had you continued to push uh, against receiving advice, it might've been a different story for you today, especially with someone that, I think, just speaking personally, it takes a different kind of spouse to be able to tolerate somebody that has entrepreneurial leanings, I believe. Oh, absolutely. Just whether it's entrepreneurial leanings or the entrepreneurship working for a startup or, or things of that nature, it takes a particular kind of spouse to be able to sit by your side and go through that fire with you because it's not always a stable walk through the park like working for a company. Well, yeah, and I think, you know, I think if you are, let's say you're, a, you know, at worst, a decent human being, you know, to look at your spouse, especially one who's doing really, really well, you know, and you want to do some entrepreneurial type 
things, you know, to me, I'm just, I got to do my part. That's always been my mentality. I got to do my part, you know, and to continually ask somebody who's doing really well to support what you're doing because you can't hold up your end of the bargain. That's a good motivator, you know, and especially if you've got any kind of competitive bones in you, that's a really good motivator, you know, for me to have her come home and, you know, put this on the table. It's like, Hey, you know, what are you doing? You know? And so when you're not doing that and they give you some suggestion on how to do it better and you don't listen to it, kind of shooting yourself in the foot. Right. Like you're, you're, you're going out to hunt, but you don't come back with anything. It's like, what what were you doing? Exactly. Exactly. So that's, you know, speaking about family, were your, were your parents entrepreneurs? Um, yeah, I come from a family of them. I'm, you know, like my grandmother on my mom's side has always been into a little bit of everything, you know, you know, from her home country to moving to England to coming to the U.S. I mean, she has always been like into a little bit of everything, you know, running a catering business for a long, for the majority of her life, you know, which was very formative for me because, you know, part of the deal is when all the, all the men in the family turned 14, they have to go work for her for, you know, their high school years. So I would fly out to New York every summer and work with my grandmother and I was hauling groceries and, you know, being made to do things that nobody else in the job had to do, whether it was literally getting on the ground and scrubbing out grout with a toothbrush or, you know, washing dishes until all day, all night, you know, getting up and, you know, she would get me up at four thirty in the morning and, you know, and if you weren't up, then you had to take the subway in, which, you know, anybody who's been in New York, you know, you don't want to do that at 4.30 in the morning. So you're up and at and ready to go. So, yeah. And then my mom, you know, my mom does have a, a, a an art store in Florida, you know, that she's had for uh, probably 15 years now. And she's always had one. It's not even like a, just a, a, a thing that just barely happened. She's had one for probably over 30 years now to where she's always had you know, an art store to where she, you know, she does original pieces and, you know, sells some different things along the way. But yeah, you know, I've always had that influence around me growing up. Interesting. Now you, you hit on some, man, this is great. You hit on something that I, I've been spending a lot of time thinking about too. And that your, your, the maternal side of your family is, was not born in the United States. Is that right? No, no, we're not. So, and this this is just from my personal opinion, so this could be completely inaccurate. But from my personal opinion, there has just been a different kind of work ethic and mentality and, like, I don't know, chip on my shoulder. I have to prove something with people that are born in other countries. There's just this resilience and this grit. Have you, have you noticed that? Yeah, it's an easy way to answer that. So, you know, my mom, my grandmother from Guyana, um, and I think the commonality that you're speaking of is opportunity. You know, a lot of people are coming from, you know, these different countries to a country where there's a lot of opportunity if you just are willing to work for it. You know, you've got that old West Indian joke about having three and four jobs at a time and no, that's always been me. I've always had two and three jobs to make things, you know, happen. And it's not a thing for me. It's what we do. And that's just right. it. You know, it's just what we do. That's just, I couldn't quote it any better than that. It's normal, it's, you know, to get an opportunity. So for me growing up, you know, I, you know, B wasn't good enough. I had to have an A, you know, it, A minus wasn't good enough. I had to have an A. It was A, A, A. Yeah, sounds uh, like that. You know, work. Yeah, I mean, work, you know, we... There's eight hours in a workday. No, no, no. That's 12 hours in a workday. You got, you know, as long as you're up, you got time. You need to be moving and doing something, making something happen, you know. And so I saw it for my grandmother. You know, my grandmother worked until, geez, I mean, I mean, we're just talking, you know, she's barely just retired. You know, she's, you know, high 70s, you know, low 80s right now. You know, my mom still works, you know, but even, you know, I think, you know, and I think, you know, there's a couple of ways you can come from it. My dad, you know, my, you know, my dad is one of the hardest working men I've ever seen. You know, he just works. You know, he's still being a greeter at Walmart right now. You know, and he's got two retirement checks coming in. He's still going. And I, I have to look at him every once in a while. I'm like, Dad, wow. You know, if I can, 
to have that energy when I get to his age and still be moving around and getting things done, you know, that'd be a huge thing. And I think for, you know, now I have children, you know, I've got three, you know, what do I want them to see? You know, and lazy is just not an option. You know, it never has been an option. So I think to your point, especially with, uh, you know, growing up with parents who did not grow up here. And it's so funny you say that, you know, I tell people all the time, you know, I was, you know, I was an athlete when I was growing up and I tell people all the time, my mom, I don't think my mother saw one track meet because to her, that was just like, why are we wasting time doing that about work and getting stuff done? You know, they just, I, I think the mentality when you come from a different country like that, yeah. you just don't get the infatuation with sports because that, that you know, unless it's going to lead to something, I mean, no, you know, that, I think, I don't, I think I'll take that forever. You know, with my mom and at first I got mad about it when I was a kid, but you know, even when I was even a young adult, I would, I would get mad about it. But now I don't, I'm not so mad about it anymore. I kind of get where she was coming from. Right. <laughs> no, it's, it's super it's true. To get there. <laughs> Because we spend a lot of time on those leisure activities that really don't have, especially nowadays, gosh, it is so, so much easier. There's, there's Netflix, there's Disney. It seems like there's, there's something new every week to take, distract our time from building something meaningful, like you're trying to do for you. Absolutely. Doubts. That's kind of a big thing that I don't think people especially i mean my wife tells me this all the time sometimes you think you're you're superhuman i'm all, i'm always on the optimistic kick like i i don't want to find a thousand reasons why it's going to go wrong i'm looking for that one that's going to make it right um, yeah but i also i mean i'm human too there are little seeds of doubt that creep in my mind what was that for you what what were some of the things that said you know what i'm I'm all right working at the studio I'm working at as a coach. I don't need to like, were, were there any of those kind of, whether they were really like strong apparent doubts or just kind of subliminal underlying doubts, were, were there any of those in those early days? Early days and late days. I have doubts like that every single day, every day. I think it's what, like I, I think when you stop doubting I think when you don't have that thing in the back of your head that fear I think that's when you you're setting yourself up you know you're just not sharpening all the time you know uh, something I tell my athletes all the time is you don't learn anything from winning all the time and I look at the years that I've done really really well and the years I've done you know not so well it's always a year where I thought I had everything on top I wasn't paying attention to anything, and we had a bad year. I wasn't changing anything. I wasn't adjusting, not doing anything. In the years that I've had where, you know, whether it be a year in business or a year in sport, you know, to where it's been a bad year, you know, we go to a tournament and we lost every match or, you know, in business, you know, to where, you know, I lost as much money over the year. Every time that I've came back and made some kind of adjustment to it, I've been able to remedy that, you know, fix it. And we've gotten better for it. Every time it, it, it goes without even thinking every time, you know, it's just, I don't, uh, like that fear, that doubt, I don't know if I ever want it to leave because if it does a minute, it does leave. And I stop thinking about it and, you know, worrying about who's, who's coming up. You know, who's that next school up there who's trying to, you know, take my spot? Who's trying to move into, you know, Salt Lake or whatever? Oh, and the minute I stop thinking about that, that's probably the time I need to hang it up. Interesting. That's, it's that, uh, that, that warrior mentality that I, I can't keep my eye out. The moment you let your guard down, that's when somebody takes a jab at you. I mean, they really were, you know, being like, and I say this with all as humble as I can, you know, I've really built a, you know, a reputation, a program that, you know, I don't think anybody can match me, especially in this state. And I've got a strong program pretty much in the country right now. 
that, you know, I've got top-notch players, you know, I work in a strength conditioning gym that's ranked, you know, it's in the top five gyms in the world. Uh, but if you're not looking over your shoulder to who's trying to come, you know, who's trying to take a shot or trying to take your spot, you know, they're going to take your spot. You know, you're going to look up and find out someone's going to be ahead of you. You better keep this stuff sharp all the time, you know, educating, learning, you know, trying to figure out, you know, if you're not constantly, you know, nip and tucking everything, you're going to get, you're going to get caught and get passed by quickly. So just going to your, your, it sounds like you continue to sharpen your ax. This is uh, a series of questions I want to ask every show um, for our show guests. Um, it's called Keep, Tweak, Delete. Um, so Keep, oh, what's, like that, what's that one thing you've kept in your business that's accelerated your growth? One thing that you've tweaked or adjusted just a little bit that's continued your growth? And what's that, that one thing that you've deleted or removed that was hindering your growth that now has has made a difference in driving your business forward. Um, so let's start with keep one thing you've kept. I've kept. I've always kept a family environment. I've always kept a hospitable environment where people, you know, maintaining that <laughs> customers always write to a point. Right. Uh, at the end of the day, if I don't have, you know, customers, if I don't have clients that are coming in, you know, then I'm not, I don't really have anything. You know, that's what I've had to really maintain. That's what I've really had to cut. Okay. And what about tweaking? What's, what's one thing that you've tweaked or adjusted in your business that, I mean, it could be something super small, um, but that you, if you look back, you're really like, man, if I did not change that, this, this story could have been a lot different right now. Oh, absolutely. Waste. I mean, that's, you know, for me, what will waste be, you know, going to an event or a tournament that I really didn't need to go to, you know, overspending, overbuying on things I really did not need, uh, not tweaking, <laughs> valuing my worth, you know, I think at times, and I think it's kind of a, a good and a bad, I still see myself as being, you know, the person who's got to constantly sell myself and, Without all of the stuff that I, you know, that I have accomplished in, you know, in, in my business and in my sport, you know, I've coached at the highest level, you know, I, I may have an opportunity to coach at the highest level, you know, if everything turns out right in February, um, you know, and that's one thing my wife is always telling me too, is just, you know, tweaking, you know, your perception of value, you know, how do you value yourself, you know, if you, if, if you don't value it, then nobody else will. That's the one thing that I've had to tweak and I'm still tweaking. Interesting. And you, you said kind of removing waste and, and not always going to every tournament. It sounds like you, you said you don't really need to be everything to everyone. And you've really refined kind of being a precious gem in your niche. So you said it better for me. Maybe I'm using my marketing guy. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I couldn't have said it any better. Uh, what about delete? What's one thing you've deleted from your business where uh, now you look at uh, it like you had a stronghold, but now you're like, yeah, I'm so glad I got rid of that. Gee, that's the easiest one of the whole bunch right there. Toxic things, whether that be people, mainly people, or uh, people who do not have the same vision that you have in your, you know, in your business. If people are, you know, we meet people all the time who have known, and as I'm talking about it, I can, you know, like four or five people just jump in my head immediately. You know, those people who, when you walk into your business and you see them, they make you, you know, they make your stomach hurt or, you know, they just dampen the mood of the building, you know, because if they do that, chances are they're doing it to everybody. Uh, yeah, let me say toxic people, toxic things, things that aren't you know, that aren't good, that aren't benefiting, that aren't helping you grow, things that are keeping you down, crab in a barrel mentality. And that one I could go on forever. Now, and that's, you know, the one yeah. thing I've really had to do a lot I'm of, sure especially that. the people business. Well, I'm sure it's the brand too, right? Oh, it absolutely does. You know, the one 
thing I got from a coach a long time ago, and I've never forgotten it. You know, he, you know, I, it was actually a seminar, and it was predominant. I got in there, I'm like, oh, I hate going to these things. And, you know, what the focus on the day was, was talking about bad people in your life or in your business, right? And he likened it to, you know, having cancer cells to a degree. When you cut them away, healthy, strong cells grow. And I cannot tell you how many times that's happened to where I've had to let something go or somebody go and, you know, in its place, something stronger and bigger and better grew from it. Toxic people, toxic things. Uh, that's the easiest one. That's the easiest question you've asked me all day. Yeah. <laughs> it, and it's, I mean, sometimes at the moment it's, it, it, well, maybe it's not hard when you're letting someone toxic go, but, uh, and thinking, how am I going to fill that spot or, you know, not having a backfill, mm-hmm. but you're probably yeah, doing more damage keeping that cancer so to speak in the organization than cutting it and figuring it out along the way which i guess is kind of entrepreneurship right you build the parachute on the way down yep so you talked about people that don't see the vision let's let's dive into what your vision is Um, you mentioned legacy and i i really in love with that word as far as your you're planting a seed to a tree that you really aren't even going to see grow yet. And I think that's right. a story for a lot of families that have built empires. Or, um, so what's, what's your, this is what we'll call money moves. What's the next major leap for you and your business? Growth, you know, growth. I think, you know, I've, like I said, as far as accomplishments go in coaching, you know, which has always been the main focus, like I've done some really great things from a coaching standpoint. You know, there's a few things I want to, I want to get accomplished, but for the most part, it's not that big path that it was before. Now it's a couple of things here and there that I need to accomplish. But now, you know, it's, you know, I've got a, a big enough name or a good enough name now to where you know, and I've been talking to my wife a little bit about it. And, you know, every time I go by a location, I'm like, ah, oh, maybe something there. And just having a better understanding of how I would do it, you know, what I would do, what I'd eliminate, what I'd keep, you know, kind of the idea of the program of it. But, you know, the big money move now would be growth. You know, I want to have more than, you know, I guess my goal has always been to have three locations in what I do. You know, maybe it's more. I don't know. I mean, I don't, you know, I've never really wanted to be a cookie cutter program, but at the same time, you know, maybe I don't have to be a cookie cutter program. Maybe I can be, you know, a few programs that are, you know, developing and, you know, promoting the martial arts in the way that I want to see it done. So it seems like scale is the next big, big thing for you. What is, what is one thing you want to tell, tell Will from, from, what is it, 18 years ago? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a long time to be on the same grind. What is, what's one thing that he, he should hear right now that I guess all of us that are in that startup phase, what's one thing we want to hear, need to hear, not what we want to hear, what we need to hear. (laughs) Nobody can determine your value. Only you can. And don't, you know, cut yourself short. You know, that's the one thing I would go back and tell myself, I think, because it becomes a habit. You know, if you don't, value again like i said it comes back to this right if you don't value yourself and what you do you can't expect anybody else to value what you do i would say i would tell will 18 years ago to put that value high and don't be and don't be apologetic to anybody about it if you be yourself like that then that's who you are and that's the one thing i've really had to correct and fix like you've gotten along i see i i i still kept trying to validate my value you know especially when i have it now but that's, that'd be the one thing. It would just be from day one, you know, don't sell yourself short, put your value high. You know, nobody can determine that. That's an easy one too, by the way. Wow. That, that's powerful. And I think that's, that's probably a high note to, to end the show on. Um, one thing I like to say is that you run a marathon the same way you climb a mountain one step at a time. Step <laughs> at a time. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it seems like you're you're definitely scaling your Mount Everest. And and so, Will, I, I appreciate having you on the show. This was 
this was super valuable. This was, this was something that I think whether you're trying to get into the martial arts industry or just performing at a high level in general, something that everyone could take some golden nuggets from. Oh man, I definitely appreciate you having me on, you know, again, every time I do one of these and have a chance to talk to somebody, you know, it makes me have to do some reflection upon myself. And uh, it's a great question because sometimes you don't, you don't know what to ask yourself when people look at you from a different perspective. It makes you have to really kind of think about things and evaluate some things. So no, I definitely appreciate you having me on. And just goes to show that when you really focus in on why did you start your business what's your focus is it a hobby or is it a business you can really start to see how how your your goals change your objectives change your business results change um, it was just super exciting to listen to will and listen to how like we talked about even being an athlete there's a certain level of discipline and commitment, but even he had to train himself or train his mindset into thinking, hey, if I wanna grow, this can't be a hobby, this has to be a business. And you could see how when Will made that mental shift and he said, hey, look, this thing isn't gonna grow by accident. It's gonna take some focus, it's gonna take some commitment. It's gonna take doing things that maybe I don't wanna do. Maybe I do have to let certain things go so I can let the business start to flourish. Yes, this is my passion, but I need to know what I'm good at. And so when you're going out there, no matter if you're just starting or if you've already scaled your business or are currently scaling, remember, sometimes it takes having an immense and intense focus. And sometimes it takes revisiting that and continuously refining what is your purpose, what is your vision. Like we talked about in the show, if you're failing to plan, you're planning to fail. No one decides to go into business for themselves and says, hey, I, I am really okay with losing. I, I want to fail. No, we all want to win if we're going into business. And so it's, it's a good reminder that, you know, we need to revisit our plans. We need to look at what's going to take us to the next step. And so with that, I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I really enjoyed recording with Will. Um, he was just a great force to, to listen to and a great reminder of what discipline, focus, and commitment can do for your business. Until next week, thanks for listening. We'll see you at the top.